0: Let's open up to 1 Corinthians 9 together. For you guys who are visiting with us this morning, we are so glad that you're here at Freedom Fellowship. We've been studying through the books of Exodus and 1 Corinthians. We flip back and forth every other Sunday. Um, Next time we're in Corinthians, you guys are going to see a lot of correlations, actually, to the book of Exodus, which is really, really cool. And we've seen some already. But we're finding ourselves this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Um, And this is probably the last chapter in the Bible a pastor would choose ever to preach on. Um, I've been back and forth this week several times on how to approach this chapter. I listened to four different brothers preach sermons on this, and each one of them approached it differently, and I'm not approaching it any of their ways. (laughs) Um, But I'm really excited to get into it. And as you see up here, I entitled the sermon uh, this morning is Winning Your Rights or your race. And that's really where Paul is going to conclude this chapter for you and I this morning. Um, And if you guys remember the context back to chapter 8, we really talked about our freedoms, okay? And we got to keep that in mind as we study the scriptures. You guys know how important it is? As you look at a scripture, sometimes it can be like, what is that actually about? What is God actually saying here? And you guys know that most times, the context around those verses will explain clearly what God is speaking to. So we want to keep in mind as we get into chapter 9 that the context here is Paul answering some questions that the Corinthians had. And really the, the context comes around the liberty or the freedom that we enjoy as Christians, but not using that freedom that we have to hurt or mislead another brother or sister in Christ and really being an example to the world of what real love looks like and we can't really know love unless we know God right because his love is true love because again it's not unconditional okay love is not about us it's about others okay um I was so tempted to (coughs) entitle this week pay your pastor I'm going to talk for a second for you guys who are visiting um we, we don't talk about giving and money all the time. I know a lot of churches, um, they'll have their thing. You guys can turn on a lot of TV evangelists. You guys ever notice they're all about sowing the seed? It's a prosperity gospel. It's very perverse. It's actually not biblical if you study the word of God. But there are giving principles in the scriptures. We as Christians should be the most generous people. I believe this with all my heart and I believe it biblically. We should be generous people because we follow who? Jesus, we are Christians, little Christ. Did God not love the world so much that he gave his only begotten son? Did Jesus not give his life a ransom for many? I mean, that's the nature of our God, and we should be generous in the same way. Now, here at Freedom, we don't pass around a basket, okay, Um, because it's one of those things that God, in giving to the church specifically for the work of the ministry, guys, his heart in that is that it would come from a heart of uh, being cheerful. Actually, I want to share a scripture with you guys. You can turn there if you want. Let me see if I can pull it up quick. I had it up just a second ago. Don't you guys love smartphones? There it is. <laughs> um, this is what we have on our website when it comes to giving to the church. Okay, and I want you guys to understand this and get this part of supporting ministry. Um, here, this is 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6, uh, 7, and 8. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. And here's the key in verse 7. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. So that really is the heart of God is he want, wants our hearts in regards to giving to be cheerful. The Greek word is actually hilarious. So if your heart's not in giving, don't give. <laughs> if you're a visitor here, <laughs> don't give. But if this is your home church, and you believe in the ministry of the gospel here at Freedom, I'd encourage you to really pray and seek the Lord that your heart is in a place, hey, I get to support this gospel work. I'm investing into eternal things. And that's a good thing for us as believers. We should always be coming before the Lord, like, Lord, what do you want? Because part of what he wants is our our treasure, okay? But he also, and I've seen this with so many people who get that, who are givers, it's not just the treasure we have, but we're willing to give our time, right? We're willing to give our talents. It's all yours, Lord. And that's really the heart that God has given to his children. We've got a new heart. It's no longer about us. It's about others. And when we truly find joy in the Lord, do you guys know that joy is Jesus, then others, and then yourself? It's not about you anymore. Man, I'm going to love the Lord. I'm going to love others. Kind of sounds like the great commandment, right? Pretty simple and that does involve our money. So we don't want to shy away ever from what the scriptures teach. And don't you guys love when we just go through the Bible chapter by chapter and verse by verse? It's going to be God's deal. Okay? I believe that he gives us in his word the exact amount of what we need. Cuz you guys know, we you listen to some pastors, it's very easy. They're always on their soapbox about this one thing. You know, hey, I'm going to talk about in times all the time or giving all the time. Or we're going to talk about culture every time we get together. Now the Bible speaks to those things, but I think the Holy Spirit strikes the balance in which we need it. That's where we're called to be in the whole counsel of God. So let's go back to chapter nine here this morning. Let me pull up my slides again. Have you guys been enjoying Corinthians? I encourage you guys to read ahead. We're going to spend two weeks in chapter 10, and we're going to have a 15-year anniversary here at Freedom on the 21st of August, and we're going to be hanging the last part of Corinthians 10 there. All right. All right, so back to the title. (laughs) Winning your rights in your race. So we talked about our Christian liberties last time. Today, guys, Paul uses his own life as an example of the benefits of voluntarily limiting your personal liberties. And we do this out of love for others. So Paul, I, I think he's like a master illustrator. I love reading the epistles. You guys know that Paul wrote the most books in the New Testament. And some of the illustrations really drive home the point it's, it makes a lot of sense and he actually uses 15 examples in this chapter and i want you guys i got the whole chapter up here i know it's small but i want you guys to you know catch this because he likens christian ministry to being a soldier in the first part of seven a wine grower in seven a shepherd in seven oxen in verses eight and nine a farmer in verse 10 the old testament priests in verse 13, a preacher in verses 14, 15, and 16. A steward in verse 17. Servant in 19, a Jew in the first part of 20. And the second part of 20, one not being under the law. Those without the law in verse 21. The weak in verse 22. Runners in verses 24 and 25. And a fighter in verse 26 and 27. So there's a lot of illustrations that Paul uses to make this point this morning for you and I. So Paul's, one of the greatest desires that he had in following the Lord is that he would win the loss. You guys see that? Might by all means save some. That was his heart for ministry. It's great. We can get the word of God. (laughs) We can reap the benefits of doing life his way because his ways are way better than ours. But if we're not sharing our faith, if we're not being light and salt, which Jesus has called us to do, we've really missed the mark, guys. You know, great, I live a whole life knowing this great grace, this gift of salvation, and never sharing the greatest gift of all time with other people. Do you guys know Paul's story, how he radically got saved? He was a man who was a Pharisee, he hated Christ, he hated Christians. So much, he was actually persecuting the church of Jesus Christ. But you guys know that Jesus radically met with him one day, knocked off his horse, okay? And God spoke the truth, opened his eyes to the gospel. So this is really Paul's heart here is to win the lost, and that really governed every decision. I want you guys to think about this morning, because I want to engage in this chapter with you this morning, is to be asking questions. And I think that question... Uh, foremost for us this morning is really what does govern our decisions or the bulk of our decisions is it the things of the lord is it like the apostle paul that you actually have a burden for the lost that you get that this life is temporal that eternity is set before us that heaven and hell are real and people are going to one or the other what what determines decisions that you make So, before <clears throat> moving on in this chapter, I want to throw something out because I want to take some time. Because Paul's going to lay out six things in regards to really paying a minister, okay? But that's not the point of the chapter, which we'll get to as we conclude the chapter. But I listened to a sermon this week, and a brother threw out some stats on pastors that were kind of staggering. Um, and I think it might hit you guys, and I'm hoping, the reason I'm sharing this is that you guys are praying, not just for me, but we all know other churches in the valley here. We know missionaries and pastors who have gone out into the world, okay? Um, We need to be praying for ministers. Would you guys agree? That's something we see in scripture. Anyways, he shared this every month, and this is just here in the United States. These are stats concerning pastors here in the United States. About 1,500 quit Every single month, okay? Um, Whether uh, because of sin, usual sexual, burnout's a huge thing. uh, Church infighting is a huge uh, cause of pastors leaving. Half of pastors' marriages end in divorce. I know two personally friends in the last year have gotten divorced, never thought it would happen, and it happened. 80% of pastors and 84% of pastors' wives feel ungrateful or discouraged in ministry. 50% would leave the ministry if they had another way of making a living. 80% of those who've come out of seminary or a Bible college that enter into ministry, they leave it within the next five years. Okay, Um, And they do so for life. They don't return. 70% admit of fighting depression. Some internalize, some externalize. 40%. Of pastors confess of committing adultery while in ministry. Okay? And that's just the ones who admitted it, guys. Think about that. 70% say the only time they read the Bible is when they're preparing for a study they have to do. 80% of pastors' wives feel their spouse is overworked. 80% of, spa- of pastors' spouses wish they would quit the ministry. When I heard that, guys, my heart broke. You know? I know it's true, I've been around long enough. I've had enough pastor friends. I've listened to many pastor leadership conferences. Okay? And why is this going on? What is happening? Obviously, it's difficult to be a minister. But maybe if you guys see this, we'll pray more. And that's the reason I share it. We need to be praying. I believe we're living the last days. Okay? If the shepherd's struck, what's going to happen to the sheep? They're going to scatter. Okay, So I want us to remember as we consider the Apostle Paul together, you guys remember that he planted the church in Corinth back in chapter 3. He laid that out for us. So he's been working now for 18 months and no salary. So Paul, he has planted a church, which is never an easy thing to do. Uh, he led all these in Corinth to the Lord. He's labored intensely over them. And you'd think that he'd receive thanks or some respect or at least a stipend, but nope, okay? No thanks, only disrespect and refuse to pay him. So we're going to go through this chapter, okay? Verse by verse, we're going to work through it. I've outlined it in four parts. The first one I want to look at with you guys, and you can see it up here, is we're going to be considering winning his rights, okay? Paul could have, you know, had rights as a minister of the gospel to be taken care of, to be paid uh, for the work that he was given to the gospel, and he says in verse one, "Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen the Jesus or Jesus Christ, our Lord?" Now, this is one of the things I think is important when it comes to apostleship, because some people are actually challenging the apostleship of Paul. But one of the requirements was is they had to be a person who had seen Jesus Christ, okay, um, risen from the dead. So Paul saw the risen Lord. He was ministered personally to by Jesus which is really cool today people talk about are there apostles today well biblically they had to see Jesus alive so that, that was 2,000 years ago unless a dude's super super old <laughs> biblically they can't be an apostle now do I feel like people have the gift of apostleship that authority going forth and proclaiming the gospel to places that I haven't heard before sure okay but to be honest with you guys, there are a lot of churches today that are jumping on this five, you know, um, what do they call it? Five fold ministry, right? Okay, within the church. And you have to have an apostle. So these churches are just appointing a man to have that type of authority. And I don't like to judge, but every self proclaimed apostle I've ever met is a quack. They're off. Biblically, it's not just a little bit, they're really off. I'm not saying that God can't, you know, use people in that way, in that manner today. But it's just like the ones that I do know of, biblically, they're just off. And you got to scratch your head. Like, what are they doing having that type of role or influence over, you know, a church or groups of church in such a way? Anyways, but Paul here, hey, am I not an apostle? Verse 2, he says, am I not an apostle to others yet doubtless I am to you? For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. It's like, hey, you guys are the fruit. <laughs> You've come to know Jesus Christ. There's a local church family here. God's blessed the ministry. And he says in verse 3, My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have not the right to eat and drink? Do we have not the right to take along a believing wife as do the also the other apostles and the brothers of our Lord in Cephas. Okay? I think this is a great scripture for pastors' wives not to work. I look at a lot of, a lot of uh, ministers, their wives are, are working because they got to have the extra income to make ends meet. And they need insurance and all of this. And I love, for Sunny and I, we've we never depended upon her income. We've really tried to keep things loose in such a way. You guys know that she's a teacher, And the opportunities that she gets in the public schools to be a light for Jesus, we've seen good fruit from that. But I also love her being freed up for you guys here at the church. Because when she's not at work, she's able to minister to a lot of you sisters in neat ways that I can't. (laughs) And having that freedom and that ability, I think, is a beautiful thing. So I don't like it when it's, you know, hey, wife, you have to work. (laughs) I see a biblical mandate. No, it's cool when a pastor's wife is freed up. And that's one of the rights that Paul lays out. He actually lays out six, six rights here to being taken care of as a minister. He goes on in verse six to say, Or is it the only only Barnabas and I? This is Barnabas is his missionary buddy, right? The two have gone out. They're preaching the gospel to the Gentile world, having a great impact on the kingdom. He says, It is only us that have uh, no right to refrain from working. Whoever goes to war at his own expense, who plants a vineyard and does not eat its fruit, right? I mean, if you were a farmer, wouldn't you grab some of the, you know, grapes for yourself or whatever? Absolutely. Or who tends a flock and does not drink the milk from the flock? Do I say these things as a mere man? Or does not the law say the same also? For it is written in the law of Moses, the book of Deuteronomy, you shall not muzzle an ox while he treads the grain is the ox or is it oxen God is concerned about or is he say it all together for our sakes so the point is you guys know the oxen would tread the mill okay get all the chaff off the wheat and they would actually eat to sustain themselves to keep working to keep going from that you don't muzzle an ox because they won't be able to eat they won't be able to do the work if they're not taken care of is the point But he goes on to say, For our sakes, no doubt this is written, that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes in hope should be a partaker of his hope. If we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing if we reap your material things? If others are partakers of this right over you, are we not even more? And again, the context I love what Warren Weir Wiersbe said. He said, "We do not have the right to give up our freedom for that was purchased by Christ." Okay? Galatians 6:1 or sorry 5:1 references that. But he says this, "But we do have freedom to give up our rights." And that's what Paul chose to do here. As a minister, he had a right to be paid, to be taken care of. And I think it's a right thing for a church to take care of their pastors. But I think the pastor's right is to have this type of heart that Paul had, which we're going to read about in a second. Even though I have these rights, I don't want to be a burden, okay? Because I want to win the more. I don't want anything keeping the gospel from going forward. So if you look back at the first two verses, if every Christian has rights, then certainly the apostles do. And then he talks about Paul... Paul and Bartimaeus and the rights that they would have as ministers. And though Paul and his co-workers had every right to eat, drink, you know, be married, collect the funds for the work of preaching the gospel, they pursued none of these things. And he lays out the examples of a soldier in verse 7, a wine grower, okay? And you guys know that a, a soldier is always paid for their services, right? Don't we pay our men and women? who are serving in the military, yeah, we take care of them. Same thing with a wine grower, okay? They eat the grapes of harvest. The shepherd, okay, they'll drink the milk from the flock. And then the oxen that's brought up in verses 8 and 9, now he backs it up biblically. He's not. This is not just my take as a minister. This is actually a biblical teaching. So the farmer in verse 10, 11, and 12 here, um, he should have some of the ultimate share in the harvest and then if we look at verse 11 this is wow okay how many have taken advantage of this statement how many guys have heard some of the tv evangelists (laughs) preach this scripture i've heard it over and over again if we have sown spiritual things for you is it a great thing if we reap your material things many pastors have used this scripture to fleece the flock I can't stand that. It's wrong. It's in the word of God, but that's not the point. Again, I wish these guys would actually study the word of God and read the context around it. Okay? Um, but the cool thing is they're not going to get away with it. If you guys want to turn over to Ezekiel chapter 34 for a second, I want to look at verses 2, 3, and 4 with you guys because the prophet actually speaks to these type of pastors. <clears throat> Yeah, we're going to look at uh, Ezekiel 34, verse 2, 3, and 4. It says, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flocks? You eat the fat, and you clothe yourselves with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what is driven away, nor sought what was lost. But with force and cruelty, you have ruled them. So Paul, I believe, was getting sick of these pastors who were growing fat, and he was determined to really go to, to the extreme, uh, the other extreme. So let's go back to Corinthians. I love that that was prophesied there in Ezekiel by the Lord. I think it is one of those things. I mean, who is the great chief shepherd of the sheep, guys? It's Jesus, right? And a pastor, all a pastor is is an (laughs) under-shepherd. They're to serve in like manner. They're to be that same example. And Jesus didn't come to be served but to do what? To serve and give his life as a ransom for many. That is the calling of a minister. You guys know the word minister actually means servant? Okay. And it should be. And that's one of those things I pray for. I know I'm not a perfect man. <laughs> I have my faults. I have flesh issues. But I do pray and I really strive to be an example to you guys. What does it look like to be a man of God, a servant of the Lord? We should be, all of us, in that way. Because not you know I'm not the only one with a flock. You guys know we all have flocks we have people of influence we should be discipling people that's something God's called us to do and as we do that we should be a godly example that they can look to in that way now I want to go to the next part and if you guys see on the right side I have he has surrendering his rights and I want to I want you guys to catch this look at verse 12 it goes on to tell us nevertheless we have not used this right okay but we endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you not know that those who minister the holy things so the priests, they eat the things of the temple? And those who serve at the altar, they partake of offerings of the altar. Even so, the Lord has commanded those who preach the gospel that they should live from the gospel. So this is another right. This is how they should make their living. But he tells us in verse 15, and this is a big but, I have used none of these things, nor have written these things, that I should be done or done so to me. For it would be better for me to die than anyone should make my boasting void. For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel for if i do this willingly i have a reward but if against my will i have been entrusted with stewardship what is my reward then that when i preach the gospel i may present the gospel of christ without charge that i may not abuse my authority in the gospel don't you guys love the heart of the apostle paul here again it's something god has called him to how can i not preach I know some men desire a pastorate to be in ministry. And the first question is, has God called you to that type of ministry? Because calling is what matters. It doesn't matter if you go to seminary and you have a degree and a piece of paper from someone. What matters is, God called you to minister? And if so, guys, it's a calling. It's not a job. This is what I am called by the Lord to do. I have to preach the gospel. And if a man isn't preaching the gospel before, he's in ministry in that way. If he's not already preaching the word, doing Bible studies, what business does he have being a pastor? I've talked with some guys that have done nothing ministry-wise. They're not sharing Jesus with anybody. It's just you got to ask yourself, well, then are you really called? <laughs> Where is your heart in this? Because I believe a minister has a heart for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's Paul's heart here. Like, I have to preach the gospel and he tells us in verse 12, I gave up, he gave up his rights to win souls. That's the whole point. And this little word here, hinder, um, it's, it literally means like a sense of cutting down, uh, often used as cutting down a tree. So it's also used once in a while as a surgical term where they would make an incision. So Paul didn't want his financial needs to cut off the body of Christ. He didn't want to be a burden in such a way. Hey, I want to minister the gospel. I think about how many brothers and sisters who've just gone, hey, God is calling me. I'm going to go overseas to where Christ has never been preached before. I'm going to quit my job, leave everything behind for this calling that God has given me. And it's so cool hearing of their testimonies. But I often wonder, especially here in the West, how many pastors would still be pastoring if they weren't getting paid. I think about a lot of our brothers in China. Do you guys know that most of them aren't getting paid to be a pastor many of them actually have to pay the state in order to preach the gospel how many men do you guys know would well, hey i'll actually work on the side be a tent maker and pay money in order to preach the good news of jesus christ that's the type of guy i'd want to hear a bible study from that i'd want to follow that i would want to link arms with and minister with and i think that really is the heart of those who are truly called by the lord and this is what paul is laying down here So, men judge a message by the life and the character of a man or woman who brings it. And Paul was determined that his hands would be clean. So, someone once said to a preacher, I cannot hear what you say for listening to what you are. So, he should be respected if he's respectable. You guys get it? If he's respectable. Not pastors who are lazy or sleazy, nor just wanting a title. Okay, a lot of people like, hey, I am pastor or reverend so and so. Whoop de do, you know? Are you called by Jesus Christ? Do you love God? Do you share the good news of Jesus Christ? That's what matters. Okay. Um, verse thirteen talks about the Old Testament priests. Okay, the Levites. They were work. Uh, full time in the tabernacle, thus the ties brought in were to take care of him and his family. And I think this is a good thing for the church to do is to take care of their pastors. okay? You guys have been asked to pray, we're looking to hire here at Freedom Fellowship, you know, administrator or assistant pastor. we've been praying about that. Um, and I would pray that the Lord would provide. you know I would personally, have a hard time to ask a man to come hey we want you to come here and give yourself full time to serving this church family proclaiming his word and not to pay you you know i think that's a right thing to do but again that's something where we as the body of christ do what's right and coming alongside that so as we pray just be praying that god would make provisions for that to happen uh, which would be really cool um the preachers brought up in verses 14 and 15 and 16, woe if I do not preach. Woe if I do not preach. Okay. I don't think I could do that. I don't know about you guys. Does the word of God burn in you such, in such a way that you just have a hard time not sharing Jesus with people? Like, I got to talk about God. I got to share with somebody. Okay. Okay. Uh steward in verse 17, remember a steward was one who was given much to oversee but owned nothing himself. I think that's a cool point. And then verse 18 here, Paul's reward was preaching the gospel. <laughs> that was reward enough. I get to do that. What a privilege. Okay. And without charge. He tells us that. So another reason why we don't pass a plate here, Okay. so people don't feel like they have to pay to be here. Do you guys know that here at Freedom Fellowship, we want every single person to be welcomed? You know? Every visitor that comes through these doors, that, hey, you know, they're just wanting my money. That's not what church is about at all. Okay? We love him <laughs> because he loved us first, right? And we're just responders. Okay? As we grow in the Lord, we're going to get more of an eternal mindset. And yeah, <laughs> life is short. Okay? And we want to invest into the gospel. And that's where, as believers, it's easy to make sacrifices and want to pour into something that is worthwhile. So once they're a believer, it's just part of growing is giving. And that's something I really would encourage you guys in. We should all be growing in our giving as we grow in the Lord. That's just kind of how things go. Um, Then Paul here, we're going to look at verse 19 now through 23. Um, This comes around the winning of souls. Okay, and this is the most important thing, guys. For though I am free of all men, Paul says in verse 19, I made myself, he made himself a servant of all. God called, but did Paul have the decision to say yes or no? He said, yeah, I am in. <laughs> I'm going to follow you, okay, that I might win the more. And the Jews, I became a Jew, that I might win Jews. And to those who are not under the law, Gentiles, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Verse 21, and to those who are without the law is without law, not being without law towards God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without the law. And to the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak, and I have become all things to all men, that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker of it with you and when you know the real thing guys you know the gift of god you know the salvation that is found in christ alone man i'm willing to give myself of that freely it's not about what i get out of it it's all about him and what a savior he is he deserves the reward of his suffering god gave himself for sinful man He loved us in such a way, and there's a gift of forgiveness. There's a gift of eternal life. (laughs) I don't need to get anything out of sharing. Man, just the blessing and honor of being able to share that good news is good enough. That's what Paul is saying here. I need this servant mentality of verse 19. Though I'm free of all men, he made him a slave to all. I'm willing to serve. willing to do that why it's so easy for people to call the minister well he'll do it right why because people get he has a heart to serve his god it's not really about what he gets out of it it's about the lord so i may win the more and that's the point that he makes here six times guys in four verses did you guys get that that i might win that winner mentality paul has and what are we striving for what are we working for in this life to win the more, hopefully. That's why we're here, guys. We're called to fulfill the great commission, right? Go into all the world and proclaim Jesus. That's why we're here. Verse 20, <clears throat> first part of it, he talks about being a Jew. If you guys are taking notes. Jot down Acts 18.18. 18. He had his hair cut off in cent- uh, uh, Centuria there um, because he had taken a vow. In the second part of verse 20, he's speaking about one under the law, okay? Not that he would place himself under the law, but he wouldn't do anything to offend those um, under the law. So in other words, guys, he wouldn't eat pork in the face of one who was still under the Levitical law, and we considered that last time in chapter 8, why we do that, okay? We have the freedom to enjoy some bacon, but if it's going to stumble a weaker brother or sister, we're not going to do that. Also, guys, with Christians who are still uh, under some legalism or custom, you may have to submit to their moral standards so as to reach them. And are you willing to do that? Okay. Um, Some people are like, Pastor, can you really get up and preach in a T-shirt every week? Um, In the summer months, definitely. (laughs) Um, But I, I, I used to wear a tie a lot. Some of you guys have been around for a while. Remember that, hey, Pastor used to wear your tie quite often. But back often, there were a few older people that were a part of our fellowship, a couple of them had gone home to be home with Jesus. But that was something that really honored them. They saw, hey, a preacher should be wearing a tie. And if me putting on a tie helped them hear the word of God, the more I was willing to do it. So if any of my T-shirts stumble, you guys, and I need to wear a tie, just let me know. I'll be willing to sweat all the more for you. But that's the heart of Jesus, isn't it? You know, I'm willing to do what it takes. I remember um, submissions trips, I've been blessed to be able to do many over the years. Um, Sonny went with me to Haiti uh, some years back. Deanna, too, was on that trip. Um, But I remember during the services, when we were in Haiti, the ladies had to wear dresses. That was a big deal, and wearing the ties was a big deal. And if you guys were... um, at all aware of what the Haitian people do in regards to church service, man, they have their Sunday best. I mean, it's like dressing up in their best, and it is a beautiful thing. But it's one of those things. In order to minister, you got to become like they are. You know, I remember ministering in Romania one time. The church did not clap. <laughs> if you were to clap during worship, okay, people are gonna look at you goofy. And I got to share the scriptures there, and I didn't want to be clapping during worship and making people like, ooh, this guy's goofy. You know, I ain't going to listen to what he has to say. We're willing to do what it takes for other people. And because of Paul's restraint here, guys, many under the law were brought above it to enjoy the full knowledge of Christ. Okay, I love Paul's heart here. So look at verse 21 with me. One without the law, he says. So Paul did... This so well in all the Greek cities, he didn't use Jewish analogies, but instead he spoke to their gentileness. Okay, and I think that's something that you and I should do. Do you guys know that we have Christian lingo? Some of you guys have been in Jesus for a while. Okay, we have Christian lingo and we don't even know it. I talk with some people. I'm sharing Jesus with people, and they're like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> you know, it's like, "Oh yeah." You don't have this Christian mind. You don't know the Bible. You don't know the scriptures. You wouldn't understand this type of language talk. And I think it's important like Paul did. Hey, you know, I'm going to meet them where they're at. I'm going to talk to them in ways they're going to understand. So one without the law, he says, could really be referred to those freedom abusers. So Paul encourages us, guys, to be mobile in method. Catch this. Mobile in method but not in morals. Does that make sense to you guys? Because a lot of times we always say, hey, as Christians, we got to do everything the same way. This is our method in ministry, and anybody who tries to do it differently are wrong. They're not wrong. You know, if they're doing something in a different way to reach people that otherwise wouldn't be reached in a certain way, praise God. Okay? It doesn't mean morals are out the door because they're doing something a different way. So... As the week, he tells us in verse 22, they could be easily offended and slip back into sin, but we must restrain our liberties while we are with them. And he says, I have become all things to all men. I love that phrase. So it doesn't mean Paul had no convictions. It means he used his convictions to build bridges and not walls. Do you guys get where Paul's going here? As you read the book of Galatians, wasn't there the accusations coming at him? Paul, you're a man pleaser. You're just doing whatever is going to please man. Paul's heart is like, hey, I'm willing to become all things to all men if that means they're going to get saved, if they'll be born again in the spirit of the living God. I'm willing to do that. And he wasn't pleasing men. He was pleasing God by this approach. So which do you build, bridges or walls? Let's get personal here. Let's engage. Where are we at in our walk with our with the Lord, with our mission that He has called us to and being salt and light? Bridges are a good thing. Would you guys agree? Awesome. Yeah. Walls, <laughs> that's not going to save anybody. Okay? We as the church, what we're doing here this morning, this is the equipping of the saints. Okay? Do you guys know that the church is actually to go? <laughs> we leave here to be salt and light. And that's what I love about Sundays in times that we have fellowship during the week. We get together, encourage one another, build each other up. Why? To go out onto that mission field. Okay. Um, so what are some bridges? Well, Let's consider with a Jehovah Witness for a second. This morning, guys, we both love Jesus. Do you guys know that? Jehovah Witnesses, they love Jesus. They'll tell you that too. But we both see him as someone completely different. Okay. There is a difference there. So there's some common ground. Oh, you know about Jesus. Let's talk, right? Um, I think about the local psychic, Jamie. Okay? I've had a couple conversations with him over the years. He's spiritual. I'm spiritual. There's a bridge. Let's talk. Um, Even when I meet people from other countries, okay, I try to make a connection. Hey, where are you from? You're from China? <laughs> I love Chinese food. <laughs> it's just like whatever, <laughs> whatever bridge you can make, you know, make it. Do you guys get where Paul's coming from here? It's just like build those bridges. Whatever it takes for an opportunity to share the gospel. But the walls, guys, can you think of a wall that you erect that actually hinders you from witnessing to somebody? What walls do you have there? Uh, one time I got really frustrated with a Muslim man. We got into an argument in front of a bunch of other people. I told him that he was going to hell and he was going to burn for all time. Would that be a wall? Absolutely. I went back to him later and apologized, and we had a really good conversation. But we're pretty good. Even though it was true, that's a wall. Okay? Um <clears throat> We should witness with tact. Witness with tact. Tact is the art of making the point without making an enemy. Okay? You guys ever wonder why Christianity is so opposed today? We know that we're living in the latter days. Okay? The Bible is very clear. People are going to be lovers of themselves, not lovers of God. And as Christians, as Christ followers, (laughs) we're light and the dark world doesn't like it. There's going to be that opposition. And all the more, guys, I think we need to fight to be bridge builders. Because right now the world, they're accepting and tolerant of everything except Christianity. It's you Christians. You're the reason all this stuff is happening. That's why there's so much hate in the world. They can't see, guys. They're blind to it. It's a spiritual thing going on. And that's why we need to engage because we have the good news and if all the world knows is, hey, you Christians, you're wall builders, <laughs> you know, there's not going to be that bridge to connect with them, to speak the truth with them. So find ways, guys, that we can lovingly share. We don't have to compromise our morals, okay? We don't have to lie, but we can share the truth in love. I think that's biblical. You guys ever read that anywhere? Share the truth in love. Wow. Go, Jesus. All right. So Paul, <laughs> do you guys get this? He would come alongside, okay, but not compromise. And that's what we get to do as Christians. So what barriers do you find difficult to cross so as to win a friend of yours to Christ? I think we need to recognize them and then begin to pray on them and then become creative in how we can actually work through those and connect with people. And isn't it really cool when you are sharing with somebody? They don't believe the way you believe. They don't think the way you think. They know exactly why you've befriended them and you're loving them. And they'll actually say, hey, I don't agree with you, but I know you love me. I know you care about me. Even though I might not believe in this heaven and hell thing and that Jesus is Savior, I know you believe it. I know you care about my soul even more than I care about my own soul. That's Christ-type love, guys. He demonstrated that love. Ought we not to do the same? But I have my rights. Do you guys know that Jesus did everything rightly? No fault could be found in him. He didn't have to lay down his life as a sacrifice, but he did that. That by all means, some might be saved. Let's look at verse 24, and this will be the last passage here uh, from the scriptures. Oops. There we go. Purple. Royal thought here. Winning his race. How does he do this? Look at verse 24. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now, they do not obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection, lest uh, when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Um. You guys may have heard of columnist um, Herb uh, Kane. He said, or he wrote this. He said, every morning in Africa, a gazelle wakes up. It knows it must run faster than the fastest lion or he will be killed. Every morning, the lion wakes up. It knows it must outrun the slowest gazelle or it will starve to death. It doesn't matter whether you are a lion or a gazelle. When the sun comes up, you better be running. Saint, you better be running. We got one life. Don't waste it. As we look forward to the Olympics every four years, right? Um, How many of you guys like the Winter Olympics better than the summer? Winter, winter, handful, summer? Really don't care? (laughs) Oh... So I, I want to take us back, okay, to this time period in which Paul was writing this letter to the Corinthian church, because back then they had the Isthmian Games. It was held every two years, not four, and they were held just ten miles outside of Corinth. So these people reading this letter uh, there in Corinth would actually know what Paul's referring to. So let's listen carefully as we conclude this morning to our trainer Paul. Okay, and follow his advice, uh, so we will one day stand as victors. How many of you guys want to stand in that victory? How many of you guys desire to finish the race well? Okay, that's what we want to do here at Freedom. Okay, we want to build each other up and encourage each other until we go home to be with the Lord, or He comes to take us home. Okay, that's what we're going to do. We want to finish well. Um, So if we're reading these verses, okay, you can almost, you know, smell the locker room, right? Okay, it's just like, hey, (laughs) it's go time. And he says here to run the race, okay, so this race course, okay, and the Greek word is actually speaking about a stadium. So the running track, which was a parallelogram, it's about 200 long, uh, 200 uh, yards long and about 30 wide, Um, and I think about how sad it is, guys, knowing that God has set mankind in such a race today where heaven and hell is a certain end that we should sit down and loiter and run after the childish toys of the world for getting the prize in which we should run for. I mean, you think about how many things people are running after today in this life. What does it matter? You gain this whole world and lose your soul. This world is temporal. It's going by really quick. Really quick. Um, Yeah, we had Timmy over last night, and she asked. We used to Sunday night did youth ministry for a lot of years, and she's like, you guys still in contact, you know, with some of those youth kids? And we are, and the trippy thing is these youth kids, they have youth of their own now. I mean, (laughs) life is going so quick, guys. But what are we running for, okay? Are we going to finish the race well? You see in verse 25 here, all endeavors of the athlete are in vain if he has not trained his body and abstained from all things that might get in his way uh, to harm him physically, his physical conditions. You guys have heard it said, champions aren't born, but they're made, right? Okay? And you think about that, okay? There's people who are elite athletes, but what makes them the superstars? Well, if you look into it, you know, many of them, they've put in way more time than anybody else, okay? They are disciplined. I think that's the thing they have above all things. They have the discipline to stay in training. So made via discipline, right training, desire, motivation, and realistic goals, our key word here, guys, is temperate or to exercise self-control. So it means to to have strength within Okay, and we get that from the Lord, really. And it carries the idea of mastering yourself instead of giving into impulse or overindulgence. And we're really good at that, aren't we? We're people who have been taught to be comfortable. You know, everybody is working so they can retire in comfort. Guys, I don't ever want to be comfortable in this life. We finish well. And when we're in a race, when do you run the hardest, guys? It's at the end. And at the end, guys, don't we have a whole life, a whole lot of life behind us, a lot of experience? Hey, here's some wisdom. You know, now's the time to be sharing all the more, discipling all the more. Prayer life. Man, if I've been in the Lord for a while, that should be rocking. It's not about retirement, guys. Let's finish well. And we gotta be training to do so. Don't find you know find yourself in this comfort mentality you know it's all about enjoyment we get to enjoy eternity you guys know heaven's gonna rock yeah uh so winners won okay a life of exemption from paying taxes these guys who would go to the isthmus games um they would uh, be in a place not having to pay taxes or they wouldn't have to serve in the military Uh, They were given education for free, free. tuition-free. A not-so-modest statue of them would be erected there um, on the road that led to the games. Um, And then the real prize for the guys was a crown. It was the crown. If you won, you got the crown. And the Isthmus crown, you guys know what it was? It was a wreath made of wild celery. What? How long until it starts, you know, decaying and oozing down my <laughs> face, you know? Really? that Do you guys know that there's five crowns spoken of in the Bible? Well, let me see if I can find the crown. There we go, sparkly crown. You guys can jot down these references. James 1.12 talks about a crown of life for the believer, okay? Um, and those are those who come to faith in Christ, okay? We give them the crown of life there's an incorruptible crown which is spoken of here by the apostle paul and then there's a crown of rejoicing okay that we will have at uh his appearing you guys know that jesus is coming back you guys know that okay first thessalonians chapter 2 verse 19 and 20 talk about that crown of rejoicing we look forward to his coming and then there's a crown of righteousness that's 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 5 through 8, and it talks about all those who loved his appearing. Are you guys looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ? I sure am. We're exhorting the scripture to be looking for his coming. But so many of us, we're looking at ourselves, our comfort, our 401, our retirement plans. Knock it off. Fix your eyes on Jesus Okay? You get a crown for that that's going to not perish, that is not temporal, that is eternal, and the crown of glory, okay, given to those who shepherd the flock of God in First Peter chapter five, verses two, three and four. And the coolest thing about these rewards, you guys understand that, that these are rewards. It's not speaking about salvation at all. These are just things that we are given for being faithful, for running the race well. And aren't we so deserving of winning? No. Because you guys know what we do with those crowns that we get? We've cast them right back at the feet of Jesus because it's all about him anyways, guys. And I don't know about you, but he's the one who's worthy, isn't he? He's the one who's worthy. That's why we share the gospel. That's why we choose to deny the flesh and walk in the spirit, to abide in him, to be fruitful. Because he deserves it. He's the one that should be rewarded. Because he's the one who's done it all. So, Paul wants us running to, finish, to the finish line of life. Okay? That our sights are really on winning, not just on finishing the race. Can we do that together, guys? Can we finish well? I don't know how long the Lord has. I grew up in a church where the pastor, his thing was talking about the rapture every single Sunday. I'm a little ticked at him because he told me I'd be raptured by now. He lied. We're supposed to be out of here. I don't know, you don't know how long we have. We can discern what the scriptures say. We're living in the last days. We can't deny that if we're honest to what the word of God says. We see things falling into place. But if we're also honest, we know God's long suffering according to the word of God. It might be another decade or two. We don't know for sure. But I do know there's a whole lot of people who still don't know Jesus. And if the Lord tarries, there's going to be a whole lot more people born into this life that need to hear the gospel. Let's finish well, guys. And let's set up the next generation. This last Thursday, we were in the Psalms. We've just been working through the book of Psalms. We got up to Psalm 87 this last week. And the 10 Psalms we went through this last week, so many of them, is about the next generation. Hey, call to remembrance. You make sure you're teaching your kids that they can teach their kids. That's on us. Guys, we need to prepare and give to the next generation that they can run for Jesus, and hopefully, we set a really good example for them of what it looks like to be victorious, to run well, what sacrifice looks like. That hey, it's not about retirement; it's not about being comfortable. It's about finishing the race well. I want you guys to turn to Hebrews chapter twelve with me. Um, some of you guys know I love running. I'm kidding. Um, That's my wife. If you ever want to go for a five-mile jog, she'd love to have you go with. Um, Yeah, I start sweating just thinking about a five-mile run. Um, I'm going to tell you guys about my track days. Yeah, I was never in track, but they made us take track classes in gym. How many of you guys had to do a track class when you were in gym? Oh, boy. I just wanted to finish. I could care less about how fast I ran. I just wanted to be able to finish it, right? Um, Except one day in class, I was feeling good. You guys ever have a day where you're just feeling good? Like, oh, I got this. I'm feeling good today. Uh, (laughs) Bouncing my step. Track guys, we're going to go. I think we were doing like a half mile or whatever. We had to go around four times. I'm like, "I, I got this, okay? So I take off and I'm cruising. I'm whipping everybody's butt. You know, man, I'm going, I'm just like, what the heck? I'm doing great today. You guys ever hear that thing that runners do? They hit a wall? (laughs) I didn't finish the race that day. (laughs) I hit the wall so hard I threw up. (laughs) Okay. We need to finish well, guys. And that takes training. We got to train, okay? Because you're going to run well when you've trained well. So we are all in training, and we need to learn to discipline ourselves. So since these athletes we've been considering here, okay, um, Paul and Barnabas, they disciplined themselves well. They were on a mission, okay? They were daily in prayer. They were consistently in study. They were preaching the gospel. They were going for it. Um, So how much more should we train for this continuing crown, guys? Okay, this is something we should be working towards. And the reason why I have you guys turn to Hebrews chapter 12 is I think this is one of the most uh, key scriptures in the New Testament when it comes to what we do in order to finish the race well. Because it tells us here, let us lay aside every weight. Okay, You guys ever wonder why runners, man, they're all about getting the lightest shoes they can get, the little shorts they can have. They don't want anything to hinder them, no extra weight whatsoever, okay? Um, So lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us. Do you guys know that sin will bring us down? Right? It will. It can totally derail us, get us off track, okay? Um, So the exhortation, hey, get rid of every weight, every sin that easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So the key is, guys, we need to be mindful. <laughs> things needed change. Okay? If you're taking notes or take a mental note, what things are weighing you down right now? What sin has you? Bitterness of heart, maybe? That can definitely derail you, right? Gossip? I mean, the list can go on and on. What sin is in staring you? What weight? Is weighing you down. See, if you want to perform like a champion, you must practice like one. You got to practice. I went to church for an hour and a half on Sunday. Yeah, hour and a half. They have long services at Freedom. It's only an hour and a half, guys. Just an hour and a half. Some will go to the gym four or five times a week. We'll train for what? Look it, I got a bump. <laughs> whoop do you do. <laughs> Train for those things that are eternal. I love this quote by John Wesley. He said this, Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin and desire nothing but God, and I care not a straw, whether they be clergymen or laymen. They alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Think about that, guys. That's what God's looking for. Who's willing? Who's willing? Whom shall I send? Are you like the prophet Isaiah? Lord sent me. Here I am. I'm willing to count the cost. I know it's going to take some training. It's going to take some work. But if this is what you're asking of me, I'm all in. I don't want to waste my life. Let's go for it. And then it says, not without uncertainty in verse 26. Back to Corinthians. So the eyes fixed on the goal, okay? I want us to note, guys, okay, we're closing here, but I caught that it moves to I, not we any longer. Did you guys catch that too as we read through there? So Paul doesn't stop to see, you know, what's in the window shops or picking flowers along the spiritual race of life. No, when Paul was in the ring, With sin, guys, he cocked back his arm and he planted his fist square into the chin of sin. And I love how the J.B. Phillips translation put this verse. He says, I'm no shadow boxer. I really fight. I am my body's sternest master for fear that when I have preached to others, I should myself be disqualified. Let's finish well, guys. I think about how many people have had an impact upon the kingdom and they chose to do something stupid that disqualified them and then we look back at their legacy, their ministry and it's just like, dang dang they were doing so well they were being faithful and preaching the gospel and that's how they went out what sin crept in there, guys when did they stop training when did they get lazy and comfortable let's finish well You see the disqualified of verse 27, rejected as unusable, is what the scriptures say there. That's what the word means in the Greek. So used of metal coins that were rejected by a standing, or not standing the test. So Paul's one great desire was to win the lost. That's what he was about. And that governed his every decision. Someone once defined real failure as living without knowing what life is all about, feeding on the things that don't satisfy, and thinking you have everything only to find out in the end you have nothing that matters. Haven't we talked recently about wood, hay, and stubble? Is that what we're going to send to the Lord? Or are we going to be laying up things of worth, precious stones? So I want to conclude with this question, guys. Maybe. What are you striving for? Winning your rights or winning the race? Normally, I close in prayer and you guys are dismissed, but I purposely want to take a minute or two for us just to be silent before our God and silently pray to him in regards of these questions. I don't want to judge, but I see a lot of the church caring more about their rights than running the race. That is sin. It's not biblical it's not right I would ask you guys to be truthful before God in that question and also ask him what weight what sin is dragging me down because I think a lot of us could probably put ourselves in King David's shoes where he prayed in Psalm 139 hey search my heart if there's any wicked way in me would you show me that we can kind of deceive ourselves right yeah but let me tell you what i want you guys to win and it's not going to be a great sermon that's going to do that it's going to be you being real before your god and asking the holy spirit to help because i think a lot of you guys are like me you need a whole lot of help but he is our helper he is there so let's just take a couple minutes and be still before god I hope and pray that you guys found encouragement this morning from this passage. It really is not coming in place of judgment. But I really want us to run well. I want you, my brothers and sisters, to be encouraged not to waste this life, to go for it. That's the heart here. Pay your pastor why, so he doesn't have to worry about the things of this world. That he's freed up to run. We as the church, hey, let's run in such a way that we're building bridges, that we have opportunities to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to finish well. I want that for you guys. I don't know how long we have. The race feels long at times. Would you guys agree with me? It feels long. But let me tell you what, that's where the training comes in. It's where discipline comes in. And we got the Holy Spirit with us. God's got us, guys, and what a coach he is. We follow his lead. We listen to his voice and his training. So I'm going to ask you guys, if you want to finish well, if you want to run well, if you want to stand in that victory, I'm going to ask you to stand right now. I'm going to pray that God would do a work in us that's beyond us in our own doing. I grew up in the 80s, best decade ever. There was this old song. I'm not going to sing it for you guys because you guys know how that goes. But it's Put Me in Coach. You guys ever hear that one? I'm ready to play today. I love that. Because I don't know about you guys. I just don't want to sit and watch, you know. It's fun to be a part of the game, to get into what the Lord's up to. Let me tell you what, when you step into what he's up to, you're going to see him doing some pretty cool things. Okay? Your minds are going to be blown away. I think about those servants. You guys remember that first miracle in John chapter 2 where Jesus turned the water into wine? Okay? Awesome party going on. Everybody enjoying life, celebrating. But who got to see the miracle? Those that were serving, that were there. So, Father, it's our desire, God. We want to serve well because you are worthy, because you are deserving of the reward of your suffering. You are worthy just because you are God. And I do want to pray with these brothers and sisters of mine who stand with me here this morning, God, that we would finish this race well. God, we know ourselves. (laughs) We need your grace. We need your help. So Holy Spirit, would you empower us, God, to do what we can't do? Lord, Help us to be disciplined. Help us to train well. Help us to keep our eyes on the prize, forgetting those things which are behind. But we want to press on. We want to shine well for you, Lord. I know it's not going to be, you know, uh, (laughs) a hype speech that's going to do that. It's going to be a a true conviction from your spirit. It's going to be a, a real commitment, Lord, to following you to surrendering one's life, absolutely. God, and all we can do is say, here we are. (laughs) Use us, God. Help us as a church family to keep encouraging each other, building each other up. God, we're thankful for your word. God, this is what we need. This is truth. And we so appreciate our brother Paul and his heart that he might win the more. God, there are so many who are lost that are blind father forgive us for these walls that we are so good at putting up god teach us to be bridge makers god give us those open doors of opportunity to be that light and salt to share the good news and give us the boldness i know that's something even the apostle paul lord is sold out as he was he still asked for those prayers for boldness we would ask the same of you this morning god Give us the opportunity and then the boldness to speak your name, Jesus, to share that good news. God, and we also would pray for any here listening, God, that have not come to faith in you. Would you please open up their hearts and their eyes like you did the Apostle Paul, that they would see that you are the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, that you alone can save them and give them a real hope, an eternal hope. I thank you so much for this church family. God, uh, they are a blessing to me and my family. God, uh, may we just run well together. You being glorified, Jesus. And It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Cool. Well, Lord bless you guys. Have a great G- week in Jesus.